Before we get into this episode of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast, I just want to dedicate this episode to Guy Bodie, all his family and friends. We think about Guy all the time, but especially during this time of year when Oktoberfest Race Weekend happens because this was a fun weekend for us all to hang out with Guy and last year was our last hoorah before his unfortunate passing. Guy, continue to look over us and we miss you, buddy. Hello, Loose Lug Nation, and welcome to episode 28 of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast, brought to you by Double L Sports Network. I'm your host once again, Lauren Leach, and per usual, joined by Mark Allen. Mark, number 28, lots of drivers under that. How about Fred Lorenzen, Davey Allison, Jim Weber at the local level, and also Corey Manders, and I know you got a few as well. Yeah, I got Jerry Schneider and uh, Jesse Berhagen. And, uh, yeah, 28 is a pretty popular number there, buddy. You know, one of my favorite paint schemes as far as NASCAR goes was always that Haviland 28. That was very sharp. Yes, that white uh, white and gold one. Uh, yeah, I got that model down in my basement, you know. And when Yates had that 28 car, yeah, Ernie Irvin was in that car and, Ricky Rudd was in that 28 car, and Dale Jarrett, I think, even rode in it a little bit. So, yeah, that was popular, boy. Wonder what could have been, you know, if Davey would have stayed with us, you know. I think there was a few championships that were, would have been had there. Yeah, that's one of the biggest questions um, that will live on forever, right? Davey, ton of talent, really coming to his own. Probably should have won the 1992 championship. Of course, that went to Alan Kowicki, but. Man, a guy that was lost too soon with a lot of others, too. Yeah, that's for sure. So, yep, uh, he probably would have won a few championships, but, uh, you know, that's the way it went. So, still remembered, man, you know, when he was coming up through the ranks, he was the best thing coming through. Part of that Alabama gang. Yeah, and, you know, the black and red and yellow Haviland car, I, I love it to this day. I, I still do. Even though it was a Ford, I love it. That's why I love it more than you do, because it's a Ford. (laughs) So there. Uh, Of course, we're joking a little bit there. We got to give each other a little crap. You know that? Well, let's get into it, Mark. You know, we're talking about the the Roval here, a cutoff race for both the Xfinity and the Cup Series. Let's get into the Xfinity Series. Whoa, what a wild one this was. Uh, Talk about going to the wet tires and it pouring there. Unbelievable. Yes, they said uh, beforehand that there was a chance of showers and uh, (laughs) they should have built an ark. So we found out that there's really no limits to rain as long as there ain't no lightning. Um, That was a crazy wet race. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I couldn't believe they were racing in it, but, you know, they made it work. It was very exciting. The first incident, Brent Moffitt spun coming out of turn four with a flat rear. Something broke in the rear end. Uh, under that caution is when it started rain. Teams were allowed to put on wet tires, and all of them did. Cars started spinning all over the place. You had Briscoe, Gregson, Chastain, Jones, Austin Hill, Tommy Joe Martins, Matt Mills, and Ryan Vargas. They were all caught in one corner right by each other. Yeah, and piled in, few piled in and there. And boy, that paint. Once when that paint got wet, that was super slick. 
So once when it started raining, everybody had to stay off the paint and, and the painted lines out there. <laughs> yeah, and Gregson was your leader at the time when he spun, and it was like all of a sudden they switched over to him, and he was just in the grass. Um, <laughs> oh, they had their hands full. Yeah. Finally, it got to the point where they just finally had to stop the race. There was so much standing water all over. Said so it was coming off the oval, the outside oval. And it was just draining into the uh, into the infield. And uh, man, um, yeah, there was nothing dry about that race anywhere. <laughs> no, no. And uh, Harrison Burton almost actually he did. He missed the last two, the last chicane on the last two laps in a row of the stage. Kaz Growler goes on to win a crazy stage one. Yeah, and Burton didn't even stop. He uh, he attempted to stop, but he didn't, and that cost him a penalty, and they sent him to the back, so he kind of made a situation worse than what it really was. Yes, he did. Yeah, I saw that right away. He actually really didn't even stop on the first time. They, I think they let that go. I still haven't gotten confirmation from that, but the second one was worse than the first. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't think he stopped for the first one, so he figured, hey, maybe I can push it a little bit more the second time, and that was quite obvious that he didn't stop. So, yeah, he got a penalty for that. Yep. Uh, well, it, this is where the strategy comes in. Some stayed out, some pit under that yellow. Uh, Brandon Brown and Kaz Grala missed the last chicane early in stage two. They had a stop there. And then Riley Herbst got into Noah Gregson going for the lead. Gregson goes around, makes contact with the wall. Remember, Mark, Noah Gregson wrecked Riley Herbst on lap five at Texas. Never touched them. Oh, anyway, yeah, and uh, they had a little interview with uh, with Gregson a little bit later, and he said he don't get mad; he just gets even. So, <laughs> so that is still still on the back burner between those two. Yeah, you know, we talked about it too when the first incident happened between the two. You know, they were good friends. Actually, I think Riley Herbst is the one who got Noah into racing, and they've been having a little bit of issue. They're from the same city, Las Vegas, but they've been having some issue. Riley, I think Riley could have played it off more as, hey, it was raining out. I didn't mean to get into him. But the way he had that smirk on his face, I'm pretty sure that didn't smooth it over. Um, yeah, I agree with you totally. That uh, He saw him right there, and he, he just uh, made a little contact. It don't take much contact to turn somebody in. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, them two are, them two are still going to duke it out here as we go on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what goes on here. Uh, Gregson had a pit with damage. So did Kaz Grala under that caution. Uh, then the red flag came out for weather, and it was uh, it was time to stop that thing and rethink what we were doing there. I was surprised they even went that far. But the drivers were all saying, hey, we're having fun. They actually were enjoying it. I mean, talk about, talk about a challenge. They said every lap it was something different. You know, the leader, the leader's actually cutting the water off the track, you know, so um, uh, <laughs> it was uh, crazy. Yeah, it was a good thing that they uh, stopped it at that time. They got the blowers out, and there was some major water going on there. Yeah, so when they got going back to green here, um, Herps went around after contact from AJ. Allgaier spun after he got by those two. Uh, Justin Haley, Preston Partis, and Annette all involved. Kind of similar to where they all parked that 
previous incident that you and I were just talking about. Yeah, just overdrew it, drove it just a little bit, and uh, yeah, it was one right after another right in there. Um, you know, uh, Allgaier said, I just babied it in there, and and I think Dale Jr. says, I thought he just dove it right in there, and that's what it kind of looked like to me. If that's babying it, my God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was around faster than what you could say. Um, terrible conditions at that corner right there. It, it sure was. They were struggling with that all day. Um, well, Josh William also had an issue. He made good contact in turn one. It stayed green, no yellow there. Harrison Burton had an issue, thinks it's a, a transmission, I believe, is what he was dealing with. And then Chase Briscoe won stage two after a one-lap shootout. Yeah, Chase Briscoe uh, later on ended up with some uh, some damage uh, that went on, so he ended up with a – 18th place finish but uh he uh yeah he could show that he was uh giving her around that uh in, in the wet too but uh um yeah everybody had issues with the uh the wet pavement oh yeah no doubt about it well um in in the final stage here noah gregson went around again and made some more contact with the wall there was no caution there I thought there was going to be one. And then Riley Herbst had to go over the turtles. He went over like three of them, I believe, caused damage, and the back bumper fell off. Ryan Sieg spun at one point. Jeffrey Earnhardt spun after contact with Brandon Jones. And then Jesse Little stalls, and the yellow comes out with 19 to go. Just a ton of action all day. Could you imagine it being that wet at Road America with all the grass? I don't think you'd get much of a race. At least it's like tight, tight quarters, you know, so – People are really close, actually, to the racetrack. They're not out in the middle of the grass somewhere. Yeah, actually, I said the same thing. I think you and I were talking, and I told you I was speaking to my wife, and she came in and saw it was raining. I said, can you imagine if that's what it was like at Road America this year or ever? And uh, she was like, yeah, no, let's not do that. You know, but uh, they kind of showed that you could actually oval race with those tires on. There, there really wasn't that much of a rooster tail. I was surprised. Um, so um, it seems like they need to work on the technology of the, the rain tire. Um, once when it gets dry out, that tire just gets totally chewed up. We'll talk about that uh, in the, uh, the cup update. Yeah, a little more of that in the cup series than the Xfinity. But uh, let's go back to it. Contact between Myatt Snyder and Chase Briscoe. Everything uh, was okay there. Then Snyder almost missed the last chicane and loses a spot. Then he spun through one and two. <laughs> he was having a rough couple of laps there. Yeah, he backed in fr almost backed in front of somebody. Then he almost drove in front of somebody. It was just a nasty place right where he was laying there sideways in the middle of the track. He had a good run going, man. Yes, he did. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, he's been splitting time between that 21 Richard Childress racing car and then the 93 uh, Sneak racing car. And that 93 was having a good run that day for a while. Yeah, the 21, also Kaz Grala, he was doing well, too, speaking of the 21. But then uh, he had suspension problems and he dropped out early. Well, and then C.J. McLaughlin spins and tries to get going. Here comes the leaders. Briscoe had to brush the wall to get by. That was a close call. Yeah, yeah, laying there sideways in the middle of the track. And, uh, yeah, um, 
um, the 98 there, Chase Briscoe, he brushed against the wall, and he already had some front-end damage also from before when he was uh, um, doing a crossover move, and he mistimed it just a little bit and ended up with some front-end damage. Yep, yep, so that didn't hurt him, or that didn't help him at all, but uh, then him and AJ start to rub for the lead. AJ took the lead, then Briscoe went back to the front with four to go. Brandon Brown made hard contact with the wall. A caution came out for that, but the battle didn't end there. Briscoe spins in between one and two, and we get back going to read. AJ took the lead, and he held it. He wins. Noah Gregson second. Daniel Hammer third. Alex LeBay fourth. Ross Chastain was fifth. Sixth was Austin Sindrick. Cody Ware comes home seventh. Jade Buford eighth. Michael Annette ninth. And Brandon Jones rounds out your top ten. Uh, Harrison Burton, Brandon Braun, Michael Annette, and Riley Herps were all eliminated from the playoffs. That would have really been good if Briscoe went to spun out early. Him and Almondinger, that would have been one heck of a race to the end. But, uh, yeah, when Briscoe finally spun out, well, then it was uh, AJ's race to win there. Well, we could have had a finish like we had at the Indy Road Course when they were battling three or four cars, you know, all right there. That's what it was looking like it was coming out to between Briscoe and AJ. Yeah, that's exactly the way it was starting to look. But then, uh, yeah, once when Chase, there was so many people that went into that corner. And I don't know if there's a, a little bit of an uphill or something that makes the rear end light. And so many people were losing it on that corner. Um, also, turn I think that's turn five. Also, was another one where people were having so much trouble throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, there was really two parts that were worse than others. But man, the it it provided a lot of entertainment. I almost I almost want to say it's almost going to be nice going back into like normal type racing because you had Talladega, which was wild. Then you had the Rovo, which was wild, and now you go back to somewhat normal at Kansas, but. When you're watching that race, it's so fun to watch. It's so tense. It's uh, it's it's just great. Well, it kind of stunk. There was 30 laps to go, and they decided to go to CNBC. And, you know, and as you're recording it, you're not home. And, uh, you know, that race was worth watching. So I actually went to the computer, and I watched it on YouTube and watched the end of that race. Um, but that kind of stinks to when NBC has been switching off. And the thing about it was it was local broadcasting. It was nothing really important to break away from. So I was kind of disappointed in NBC by um, cutting off the race like that. Yeah, they've done that a few times now, Talladega, the Roval. So we'll see what happens going forward. Luckily, the cup race stayed on NBC. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what going forward. Well, let's get into the points for the Xfinity Series before we get into the cup race here. We have Chase Briscoe, who's currently leading. Austin Sindrick is 10 back. Justin Allgaier is 27 back. Then Noah Gregson is 35 back. That puts Justin Haley 37 back or two out of the championship four. Brandon Jones is 40 out or five back. Uh, Ross Chastain is 15 back from being in the championship four. And Ryan Sieg sits 23 out. Yep, they'll be at Kansas here tomorrow on Saturday. It's supposed to be super windy there. They have wind warnings out there for tomorrow. So that'll be interesting to see what goes on uh, for the race at Kansas tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of sitting here in a windstorm myself, and 
you know, when those cars are going around that fast, it plays a huge factor. Well, it absolutely does, you know. So, yeah, there's going to be some cars moving around, and I'm sure they're going to be rather aggressive to get that victory. Oh, absolutely. You lock yourself into the championship race. It's uh, it's going to be a shootout for sure. Yep, it's on. It's on. It's that time of year, man. <laughs> <laughs> so then let's get into the cup at the Roval. There was a competition caution on lap 11. Chase Elliott was leading. He took the lead from Brad a few laps after Brad took it from Denny Hamlin. Truex and Boyer ended up passing Elliott on the restart. Boyer takes the lead uh, in the last chicane, and he held it for a while. Boyer was having a heck of a day there. Yeah, the one that was really uh, doing really well was uh, Ty Dillon. You know, he switched to uh, slick, Slicks there on the competition caution, and uh, Ty Dillon showed how well he can get around on a damp racetrack. Yeah, and, you know, he was doing well early on the damp racetrack. Then he did well on the slicks. I thought for a while there that he's going to have a real shot at it because he, he was the guy that was the most impressive early on. Unbelievable. I have never seen him drive like that. So, yeah, he did really well. And, boy, you see them slicks going across that wet track and just yikes. But uh, he, did, he did best more than anybody else did at that, at that time. Yeah, Newman was another guy who put on slicks, and he spawned and almost uh, almost went around after he got into turn one again a few corners later. It was the wettest area of the track, so it was easy to see how that would be done. Uh, more drivers decided to pit under green for slicks after they saw what was going on. Hamlin had a rough day. He ended up spinning. Then Nemechek spins with three to go, and the yellow comes out. Ty Dillon wins stage one. Very good. Yeah, and he was uh... – he was holding his own. There was no doubt about that. He was the man to beat at that time. Yep, absolutely. You just said it, and I completely agree. Um, Timmy Hill was fifth in the stage. That was great for him as well. Yeah, you don't see him up, up front very often either. Yeah, there's the old 66. Yeah, so it's good to see good to see road course and, uh, and rain. <laughs> what a mixture, you know. So you're going to get some comers and going – Goers that go uh, work with that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, strategy and all that, and especially with the weather going on, you you saw even more than you usually do. Well, Christopher Bell takes the lead on that next restart. William Byron took it from him a, a few laps later. Brad and ends up um, spinning, causing Jones and Matt De Benedetto to stop. Uh, it's almost amazing there wasn't damage there. They both kind of stopped. I think Jones got into Brad just a touch, but that was close. Just stopped, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the two-car was uh, kind of crazy. He went, he was wild into that corner. That's that turn five again, same same spot right there. Yep, an issue all weekend long, no doubt about it. Um, Brian Blaney took the weed away. A lead away from Byron. Uh, JJ Yaley spins and a caution comes out. Five to go on the stage. It'll be a green-white checker for the stage. Kyle Busch and Clint Boyer make some contact. It cuts Kyle's tire down. There was no caution. Then Denny spins on the last lap of the stage. Was there contact between him and Harvick? I think there was. They didn't have a good angle of it, but it looked like he went in there hot and heavy. Ryan Blaney wins stage two. Yeah, Ryan Blaney gets around Kansas real well. And, uh, um, yeah, Kyle, he limped that car all the way around without that tire coming apart. But then I have found out that they don't have an inner liner. So once when that happens, you're on the rim. And, uh, yeah, then it didn't come apart for him. So 
he didn't get any further damage out of that. Yeah, and, and let's go back a little bit. You and I were going to talk about the chunking of the tires, and you saw a little bit of that um, the first few laps after it got dry when people were still on the wet weather tires. Yeah, they're trying to find wet. Any, anywhere there's wet, just trying to cool them tires off. Them tires get so hot on regular uh, on regular pavement. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy there. But um, Blaney won stage two. So Chase Elliott pits as they go back to green. It was a loose tire. You almost thought, oh boy, there there was um, he's going to have his work cut out for him. A long way to go to get back, but he's going to have a long way to go to get there. Um, Byron got the lead on the restart. Custer and Hamlin went around. Davison and others were involved. No caution. Then Ty Dillon had an issue, and then Clint Boyer to me had one of the best saves of the day. Yeah, with no power steering, <laughs> you know. So he was doing most of that race at the end there with no power steering, and he looked kind of worn out when he was all done. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was working inside that car for sure. Uh, Ty Dillon ends up spinning, and a caution comes out with forty five to go. Then a caution five laps later. Uh, Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon make contact. Dillon goes head on into the wall in the front stretch. Um, kind of a tough round for Austin Dillon. Yeah, yeah, that caused him uh, to go further in the championship run. Um, him and Kyle, yeah, Kyle had nowhere to go with that one, and he booted him into the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about Austin Dillon being the most impressive in round won there and then this round he just had that belt come off and that was kind of the start of the end for him yep uh, lost all his good luck so he he was uh he peaked at the right time in the first uh first round but uh this round uh, all his good luck all went away yep yep uh ryan blaney led on the restart then stenhouse spins after buffa uh bubba wallace drives in deep and makes contact Clint got front end damage from that, and that's where he lost the power steering. I haven't heard yikes. That would be a tough. Can you imagine going around that track without power steering? That's unbelievable. I think they say it's rather impossible to do it the way that the cars are set up, but uh, he he still got a top 10 finish at the end, so that's rather impressive. Oh, my gosh. Is that impressive? Then Ryan Blaney spun as the leader. Um Holy cow, you know, you talk about some leaders spinning. You talked about an Xfinity race and the cup race. Uh, Matt Kenseth almost nailed him. There was a little bit of water there, and Matt was able to turn just at the last second. Otherwise, that would have been big. Yeah, he just missed him. <laughs> Coat of paint, by that's how much he missed him. by. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Ryan Priest led for a little bit. Then Alex Bowman took the lead with 28 to go. Chase Elliott was back in the front. He followed Bowman through. Then Chase got a side of him but didn't make the pass, but then he did a lap later when he takes the lead with 26 to go. A yellow came out with 24 to go for debris, and then all of a sudden they showed Matt Kenseth was buried in the barrier. I have no idea what happened there. They didn't even have a replay of it. They, nobody saw that, but, man, she was buried in there. Now, once when Chase, Chase Elliott did that last year, and he bounced out of it, and there was no damage, but uh, – Whatever Matt hit inside that barrier, it, uh, it messed up the front end of that vehicle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Kyle Busch stayed out under this yellow. Pretty much everyone else pit, so you knew he was going to be out for lunch. Uh, Bell had an issue on the restart. He stacks up the field on the inside. Then he almost got into turn one too hot, almost causes a wreck. Everyone turned out okay. 
So Bush leads over his teammate, Eric Jones. You almost thought maybe Eric Jones would be nice and create that buffer for him, but it wasn't going to be. Jones took the lead, and then Chase kind of followed him through, and Chase ended up getting by Jones with 18 to go. Yeah, it shows Chase Elliott how just how good he is on a road course. <laughs> he was just a you know class of his own. Yeah, Eric tried to work with uh, Kyle just a little bit, but uh, uh, Eric moved on. He really is a good road racer too, man. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yep. Um, and you know, speaking of Eric Jones, we'll see where where he goes. There's some news later on coming here. Uh, Truex almost missed the last chicane there. That last chicane causes a lot of issues. Uh, Brendan Poole had an issue and stops on the track, a caution with 12 to go. Uh, Ty Dillon tried to pit, but the caution was already out, so he pulled back on the track but had crossed the line, so it was a commitment line violation. What a bummer. You know, he tried to time it, and then they, they showed the light, and naturally the light was on, and, you know, he tried to take advantage of that, but uh, he missed it by about uh, two seconds. Yeah, that could have been uh, the way to win that race, I tell you what. Um, you talk about surprise winners, and, and you almost got it if that would have happened. Yep, timing is everything on that one there. Oh, yep. So then the green comes back out with 10 to go. Chase Elliott still was your leader. Um, McDowell spun in the last two chicanes, both of them. There was no caution. <laughs> A rough couple of chicanes there. Newman went around in the last chicane as well. And then in turn one again, we talked about that where he almost did it early in the race. Now he did do it. Truex and Kurt Busch spin in the chicane. That was with two to go. And Chase Elliott wins over Joey Logano, Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Aaron Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, Cole Custer, and Clint Boyer. Yeah, that Kurt Busch, he looked like me on iRacing. Just do a 360 and just keep right on hauling the mail right there in the chicane. I just see how he spun around. It was perfect. And, uh, yeah, it cost Truex just a couple positions, but he still came home seventh, so good finish for him, too. He's a good road racer also. Yeah, Truex is very good. He's won at Sonoma before as well, and um, he's very good good as well. And, you know, with the schedule changing a little bit, you're going to see, what is it, six road courses next year. So you see Chase Elliott has now won five of the last seven, including the last four. You almost think maybe this is starting to, to be his thing, and maybe the schedule lays right into his lap. That's why everybody's talking about Almondager being a – um, possible landing with a team if he wants to go back to full time. So yeah, once when you think about six road courses, you know that's uh, um, that's kind of interesting when you can go get a, a ringer like that to uh, to uh, try to run them road courses. Yep, yep, you could see that. You know, you got six chances to get into the playoffs. That's that's a lot of races compared to what it normally is with two. That's right. So well then, the Roval. So. Um, yeah, that's you're doubling it. So, man, you never know what's going to happen here. But um, Josh Balicki on that last lap there had a, a flat tire, and he had a big crash as well. That was uh, that wasn't very good. Uh, the penalties from the weekend: there was only one. Kurt Busch had a loose lug. One loose lug. They're still out there, huh? So <laughs> that ain't that ain't too bad. Well, all the series go into Kansas this weekend. We'll start with the truck series here. Um, 
with the points. Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed are tied at the top. Then you have Zane Smith, who is sixth ahead. Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed are 12 ahead. Then you have Zane Smith, six ahead. Grant Enfinger is three ahead. Then you have Brett Moffitt, three behind. Ben Rhodes, five behind. Matt Crafton, 10 behind. And Tyler Ankrum, 16 behind. So just three races to get it done, Mark. It's going to be tight. Yeah, I see that they changed the uh... – Normally they're on FS1 and they've changed it this weekend and will be on Fox at three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Well, that's pretty cool that the trucks get to be on primetime television. You don't get to see that all the time. So good for them guys. Yeah. I just noticed that change uh, this morning that normally they're always on FS1, but they change it to Fox. So that'll be at three o'clock tomorrow in a high wind uh, situation out there. (laughs) Well, then the, we went over the Xfinity Series after their race, so we'll get in the Cup Series. Kevin Harvick is 45 up, Denny Hamlin 32 up, Brad Kozlowski 13 up, and Chase Elliott plus 5. Then Joey Logano minus 5, Martin Truex Jr. minus 10, Alex Bowman 7th minus 18, and Kurt Busch minus 21. You know, going into Kansas, I think you could see Kurt Busch be a sleeper in this round and make hey, it through. All you got to do is win. You win, you're in. And that's all it takes. So, yeah, hey, any any one of them eight could win that race. Any one of them. Even Bowman. Yep, Kurt Busch, all of them. So, it'll be interesting. So, who do you who do you think, now that we're this far, who do you have as the four advancing? Who would you pick? Well, you know what the points, as long as somebody doesn't win on the outside, Harvick and Hamlin are going to be there. It seems like Keselowski is peaking at the right time. And if I was going to pick a winner, I probably would say Keselowski this weekend. And, uh, gee, I guess I'd stick with Chase Elliott. He seems to be peaking at the right time. So Harvick, Hamlin, Keselowski, and Elliott, that's probably where I'm looking. I'm going to go a little different because I think there's going to be a little bit of a shift. I feel like there always is. I'm going to go with Harvick, Hamlin, Chase Elliott, and Joey Logano. Well, yeah, you got to figure out who's going to uh, who's going to win Texas and uh, who's going to win uh, Martinsville too. You know, Logano probably would be a favorite at Martinsville and Texas. Um, boy, when when Harvick's hooked up at Texas, he's unbeatable there. So you know that's uh, that's probably a good pick there too, buddy. Um, Chase Elliott runs good at Martinsville too. So, boy, I tell you what, the gloves are going to come off when we go to Martinsville. It's always, you know, <laughs> oh man, there's always some bent feelings after that race. So that one's coming down the line. But we'll do one at a time here. We'll just uh, see what happens at Kansas here this weekend. Well, and usually Martinsville has been the first race of the last round, and now it's the last race going into Phoenix. So that's. Uh... That's quite the shift. You know, you said it. Gloves are always off at that track, but how about it being the last race to get in? It's going to be especially off. It's going to be awesome. I can't can't wait to see that. And uh, I think it starts later in the afternoon, so I think some some lights probably will be uh, probably involved with that uh, that race there at the end. So that'll that'll make it pretty cool too. Yeah, it starts at one thirty. I'll take that back. It starts at one o'clock. So I, I guess the lights really won't be too involved with afterwards. So, so. 
Well, that race traditionally has run a little later, so you have seen the lights come on during the October at Martinsville race, so I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this time as well. Yeah, it's possible. You know, it's getting darker all the time, a little bit earlier, so we'll see. Yeah, the lights might be involved. I think that looks cool. That would look cool. Um, we've always liked Martinsville under the lights. You know, we got a little taste of it this year, and, and uh, we'll see if we can get some more of that. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's get into the uh, news here. Um, Kyle Larson had an interview on CBS with um, James Brown. He apologized, and James walked away with that, saying that he was um, he really thinks that Kyle was sincere. So I think that's going to start the ball rolling here, and I wouldn't be surprised if you hear Kyle Larson back in NASCAR pretty shortly. And if you laid money on it, you'll probably land in a 14 car uh, since uh, Boyer's going to be going to the television booth on Fox. So I have a feeling Kyle Larson's going to be in the old Tony Stewart car and be running the 14 car. I am hearing a lot of rumblings that um, he's going to end up at Hendrick Motorsports in the 88 or 5, whatever number they choose that 88 car to be. I'm hearing a lot of rumblings about him being with Hendrick. And, and that was the rumor before all this happened, so... You never know, but uh, that's the other big news is Clint Boyer announces he is stepping away. He's going to join Fox in 2021. I have a note right next to this. I think Chase Briscoe will be in the 14. Um, yeah, that's a that's a possibility too. Uh, it'll be the first time that Hendrick would actually let one of his drivers go off and go racing, and I don't think Kyle Larson's going to give up the dirt. So we'll uh, we'll see if uh, Hendrick will actually change his tune if he brings Kyle Larson on. But, yeah, it sounds like the 88 is going to be done and it's going to be turned into the number five car. Um, I thought they were, they were just going to downsize the three cars, but apparently um, they're going to keep the fourth car. So that's kind of the rumors that are out there. Yeah, I uh, official from Hendrick Motorsports said they were not going to downsize. This was a while back when it was first coming out hot and heavy that maybe they go down to three. He said, nope, there are no talks about that. So that is not true. Um, but you have to remember, Mark, um, Casey Kane was a member of Hendrick Motorsports, and he still did dirt racing. So Hendrick loosened it up a little bit for Casey. I think he would do the same for Kyle Larson. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's a silly season, so um, we got to make sure that Chevy and Chevrolet is on board because, you know, when, when Kyle got – when he got dissed out, you know, he, uh, all the sponsors and Chevrolet went out too. So you got to make sure that they're happy also. But, uh, yeah, he, he reapplied and sounds like uh, he's ready to come back into the NASCAR. Yep, yep, it sure sounds like it. And now getting some media attention. So I think you'll see that get rolling here. Uh, Larry McReynolds won the Smoky Unic Award. So that was pretty cool. It started it, – the award – um, Smokey Unix started this for people who started as humble beginnings and then kind of worked their way up. So uh, Larry McReynolds won that award. That's pretty cool. Alex Bowman is going to switch from the 88 to the 48 in 2021. No huge shocker there. No, because Ally is tied in with the 48 car. So that's, uh, wow, there's some big shoes to fill there for Alex. But, uh, yeah, he'll be fine in that car. He's proven that he can uh, he can get the job done. Yep, and Greg Ives and the team is going to switch over to the 48. So we'll see what gets announced with that 88 team. Um, 
or the 48 team currently, which number they're going to be and all of that here shortly. Um, Daniel Suarez is going to drive Trackhouse Racing's number 99 in 2021. That's Justin Mark's team. Uh, Joe Gibbs confirmed that Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin's team will work with them next year. And then Matt DiBenedetto returns to the Wood Brothers in 2021. Austin Sindrick will race select races and take that ride in 2022. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we knew that was kind of coming. So, so DiBenedetto gets, uh, gets back into the 21 for a little bit next year. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that he was going to return. I really thought the way things were happening, I thought Sindrick was really lining up for that ride coming this year. But he's at least going to get his um, feet wet in a few races this year. And then when the new car comes in 2022, he's going to be a full-time driver. Yep. So that's kind of the way it got planned, and that's the way it ended up happening. Some other news that I heard, uh, colleague racing might go cup racing in 2022. We'll have to see what happens there. That's a team that started as a one-car team and now runs three at some tracks. So they've been growing ever since they got in. Uh, congrats to Dale and Amy Earnhardt, who had their second baby girl. That was announced yesterday when they did the podcast. People were wondering why it was delayed, and they said, well, it's going to be good news, and it sure was. Dale and Amy had their second baby girl. Yeah, named Nick, Nicole Lorraine was born on Monday, second daughter. So um, probably going to have a girl Earnhardt racer maybe, <laughs> maybe in 15, 20 years. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe two of them. Never know. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, drivers are going to wear highlighted visor stripes at Kansas for the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. Jimmy was also presented a mural and a $48,000 scholarship in his name from Charlotte Motor Speedway. The quote here was Jimmy and Chandra have generously supported those in need through their foundation. And this scholarship will assist a deserving area student in pursuit of a college education each year for the next decade. So it's going to be 48 annual Um, Charlotte Motor Speedway will probably provide a $4,800 annual scholarship in Jimmy Johnson's name to a deserving senior with a career pursuit in fitness, nutrition, or exercise science passions that Jimmy has championed as much as he has racing good stuff good stuff right there so some fortunate uh, student out there is gonna gonna be rewarded by that so good stuff there pretty cool yep and then fenway sports group and red ball acquisition group could merge and go public it's very early in talks so you never know what can happen but that popped out there of course fenway sports group is part owner of roush fenway racing they also own the boston red sox and Liverpool uh, soccer team, Liverpool Football Club. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. And then the hottest news that is out right now, rumor, is that Eric Jones may be joining the 43 Richard Petty Motorsports team for next year. Yep, that just came out. So that sounds like that's in deep in uh, negotiations there. And um, I guess that'd be a pretty good ride for for, – Richard Petty. So, uh, yeah, he's a good driver. He can enhance that team. No doubt. You know, I almost thought Eric Jones would get into the um, 48 or the 88 or the 5, whatever that number is going to be. I almost thought he would be a good candidate for that because I think he is going to have a very similar story to Joey Logano. Joey got booted out of Joe Gibbs racing, goes to Penske, lights up the world, becomes a champion. I think the same thing is going to happen for Eric Jones. Yeah, I agree with that. So 
we'll see how that goes. Um, um, yeah, Jones, Jones is, he's shown that he's a winner. He's won races already good on a road course and certain tracks. So that's uh, good that he's going to land in a, a decent ride. It's not a top tier ride, but uh, with his talents, he probably can make a top ride. So yeah, good luck to him on that. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's the NASCAR news and section of the podcast. Let's get into the short track scene here. Mark, one of our favorite events of the year, Oktoberfest race weekend in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Yeah, I was out there for four days. The weather was just gorgeous. You just can't do any better than that. No complaining about the weather, even though it got a little cool at night. But uh, it's October, and that's expected. And uh, what a show, man. That was that was the best one of them all out there this year. Yeah, so unfortunately, I was only able to make it out for Sunday. Um Congratulations to my brother and sister-in-law. They got married on Saturday, so we're doing some fun stuff there. So I made the trip up Sunday morning, had some good time. Thursday night at Oktoberfest, the super late model winner was Jacob Nottestad. It was his first super late model race. What a show he put on. He was in a John John DeAngelis Jr. car, and uh, he made that work. Wow, that's his first victory in a super late, and did he, he tore that up. I saw... Uh, Johnny D's uh, senior and saw him down in tech like that. And I patted him on the back and says, boy, you got a real fast rocket there, you know? So yeah, I got to congratulate the senior guy there. Yeah. And a guy that we know quite well, Andy Monday, he led the first 10 laps of that race. Cool to see him make the trip over to lacrosse from the Appleton area. Yeah. Yeah. I was with Andy a little bit here and there and uh, first time there. And uh, he he learned a lot. Um, I'm sure he can fill up a notepad, and if he goes back next year, uh, he'll have a little bit more of uh, what to, to expect out there. Yep, absolutely. Well, then Friday for the Super Late Models, they do the Dick Trickle 99. Dan Fredrickson takes his fourth 99. Um, that's a guy that really enjoys lacrosse. He drove like a man possessed on that race. And, uh, yeah, he pulled that out. Um, that was all good racing, all three races on that. That's one of the favorite ones out there, them, uh, um, them 333 lap races out there. So um, pretty good stuff. That is one of, if not the, the best races of all weekend. You know, the 200 is always special, but that – Triple 33 race, that Dick Trickle 99 is always fun to watch. Who's going to come and go in each stage? You have to be close to the front to get the least amount of points, and, and Fredrickson did just enough to get it done. you got to work your butt off, man. I mean, that's aggressive racing if you want to win that. And, yeah, and Danny Fredrickson won that. And he got out of the vehicle, and I yelled across, four time! And he just kind of like, who said that? Because, you know, he's won the 200 four time, and now he won the 99 four times, so. Um, yeah, <laughs> Danny sure knows how to get around uh, lacrosse for sure. Oh, does he ever. <laughs> um, so then you go into Saturday, a good night of racing, and the 200 is Sunday. The 200, I was there in person with you, incredible race. Ty Majeski takes the win. Uh, Johnny Sauter and Andrew Morrissey had a great battle. Um, unfortunate, there was an incident there. Morrissey and, and Sauter made contact. Sauter went around. Morrissey had a quick, quick car. He had a quick car all weekend. And I talked to Luber, and he says there was just nothing to adjust on that vehicle. It was just set up, 
and it was the fastest car of the weekend, that's for sure. Well, Andrew Morrissey came back all the way to finish third. That's how good his car was. Let's hear from him right now. Here with Andrew Morrissey, who finished third in the Oktoberfest 200. Andrew, in my opinion, and probably a lot of others, you had the car to beat today. Yeah, we, our car was good all weekend. Just, uh, you know, just had an unfortunate incident there at the about 30 to go and spun Johnny out and definitely didn't mean to, but just we were racing hard and got into him a little too hard. And, I mean, you know, he had to go to the back and got back up to third, but just uh, kind of disappointing because I know the car is good enough to win. And, you know, I don't know. I felt like I should have had, you know, two fast times and won both races this weekend, but this came up a little short. Still a great weekend for you guys. I mean, you came all the way back to finish third from the back with 30 to go. I mean, you got to be pretty proud. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to get, to get positions here in a short amount of time because the race gets so spread out here. But, uh, yeah, we could have used the caution at that there or something maybe, but still all right day given the circumstances. So uh, Johnny was going to actually kind of let you go there on that incident. And uh, so did, was there a little mistiming that was going on there? Or it just Yeah, like... I, I mean, I, I, I was driving hard trying to get around him. I think Johnny, he was starting to get loose. So I think he was, you know, probably trying to wait on the gas so he could get a straight run off the corner. And just uh, I hit the gas the same spot I did every other time. And he kind of, I think, pushed up and slowed down at the same time just uh you know, just a mistake just on my a, part. Definitely didn't mean to hit him, but you know, just well, that's a racing incident. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Did everything else go to plan for you today? Was the track pretty similar to what you thought going in? I know there's a there's a big variable in that. How's it going to change with other division running the tire, all that stuff? Yeah, the track really didn't change as much. You know, this year as it does most years. I think maybe because the temperature was a little warmer, but yeah, we were. Uh, you know, I had a good car all weekend. We really didn't do much to it. Just stay consistent all weekend. When something like that happens, an unfortunate incident, and you know it's a split second decision, is so hard. That's that's the part of racing, right? It's just split second decisions. Yeah. When something like that happens, how do you put that in the back of your mind, regather yourself, and say, "All right, I got to go back at it here." Yeah, I mean, I was just you know pretty dejected for a couple laps, but just you know, I told all my guys I was sorry, and uh, you know, just went back to work. You had to get back and focus on the task at hand and I knew we had a good car and with 35 laps to go I mean I you know I knew I wasn't going to give up you know so just I knew I still had a chance so I gave it all I had just came up a little short. What's next for you? Uh, Dell's for the last live for five race or whatever. All right well uh, thanks for the time today great run it was good to see you thanks for the time buddy. Yeah no problem thank you. Well, thanks to Andrew for the time. I hope to do more interviews with him in the future. I think we'll maybe do some off-season stuff with him um, along with other drivers. He's a he's a guy who's been looking to get on this podcast for a while because Tim Satorius has been asking me to interview him, and we just haven't found time, and he had such a good run at lacrosse that we, that we got an interview from him. Yeah, I wish we would have had a little bit more time to talk to him. We just kind of more, more or less emphasized on the incident uh, with 34 to go with him and Johnny, but uh, – yeah, he's a he's a good old champion uh, racer, and he's got lots of miles on him. And and uh, good to see Andrew out there. And he took the whole works as a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, good interview with him, and uh, good racer, man. And he's a former Arca Midwest Tour champion as well. And one of the lower budget teams when he did that, um, probably still is. And 
just a good down-to-earth guy. Yeah, he absolutely is. And he's approachable and, yeah, good talking to him. I, I like Andrew a lot. Absolutely. Always one to watch no matter where you go. Um, well, Rich Bickle finishes second. And Rich has had one heck of a season, just problem after problem. He's been fast all year long. Something always happens. It almost went right for him on Sunday. He got second, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, all of a sudden there was like 100 laps to go, and he wasn't on the board, or he barely was in like in 10th. And he liked his car a lot. And, uh, yeah, and uh, finally a $5 piece didn't bite him this time. And, and man, he got a second place, and that was quite popular and good stuff, man. That's good to see that. You know, and with Rich – he, th these kind of longer races really fit in to his style. He can save like nobody else. And I've seen him do this before where a Slinger Nationals, he, he doesn't qualify very well. He's in the last chance race. And then also in one year, he was in the last chance and finished second just because he knows how to take care of his equipment. And actually, that might have been the year that Steve Apel got disqualified for that spacer. And he it may have won that. He may have been in the last chance race that year. Yeah, yep. So it's good. You know, Rich has only got, I guess, one more year to run. And uh, he was quite pleased afterwards. He was uh, quite a happy man. Absolutely. And and we'll do some off-season stuff with him as well. But uh, let's hear from him right now. Here with Rich Bickle Jr., second place finisher today. Rich, what a great day for you. This car and you have been good all year, but today nothing went wrong, and that was the key. Well, the only thing that went wrong was the driver at the end picked the wrong lane to go into, and it cost us a shot to win the race. I still swear I thought Ty went the outside, and he went down, and I, I just missed, messed up. But if I had been the outside, I wouldn't have got stuck behind the 44 for 10 more laps, and by the time I got out there, you know, Ty's long gone. What else was the biggest difference for you today? Um, this, you know, we were so bad here last year, I couldn't pass the pace car. So, and I've only ran here maybe six times my whole life. And it's just, after we finally got a car that, you know, really going, working good, it plays into my, my driving style because I don't hurt the car. I don't kill the tires. And I told everybody, I said, you know, I'll be there left 150, you know. And everybody drives just to the balls, the walls, and uses their stuff up. I mean, the first 60, 70 laps, I never think, I, I don't even think I was, you know, half a second off the pace because I was just riding, you know. We paid it right. We got the break. You know. Just. Did you make any changes during that break, or was everything no, pretty consistent no, today? We didn't change nothing except for, we, well, the first time we pitted, we let some air out of the tires, put gas in it. The second time, put the right sides on it, and didn't change nothing. So, car, I knew yesterday we we're we we're pretty good on old tires, and all of a sudden, kind of made one change, and that thing just come off the corner straight and hard, and we were fast, fast on old stuff. And I thought, ooh, I said this this is a feature winner right here because you know when you hit it. We hit it, and I, and I knew qualifying was going to be super fast, and we didn't raise the car up, and it was on a cross member all the way through the corner. So I don't know how fast this thing would have went if it was off the ground, but it, I think we would have set a track record. Unlike most, you did pit twice today. You pit and did some filled up the car and all that, and then you pit for tires at that last competition caution. Yeah, just, you know, you got to save it to the end. And I thought we better do it now because there might not be another yellow and, and you got you got to get track position. You got to be close to it. You know, you got to be in top five, six, seven. And it worked all right. And then when Johnny got spun out, whatever happened with him, that opened the door. So it's like okay. And I told myself we got the race winner now. And I just picked the wrong lane. I just driver error. 
How was it driving that Dick Trickle car in the in the classic division there? How was that? Well, we, you know, only got a couple laps in it, and, and it's you know, it, there's some problems there, and we got it ironed out. But I mean, when that race there, the heat race, it was not very good. But then we changed some stuff, and it was so loose, though. Oh my God! But anyway, I got caught that lap car there, and. I slowed down because I didn't know if he was going to go up or down or nowhere, and he kind of stayed right in the middle, and then, that, and then the 11 guy got in the back, and he got me sideways and beat me the line, but I don't want to wreck the guy's car. Yeah, Dick Dick wouldn't have been happy if I wrecked his car. <laughs> <laughs> How surreal is that for you to hop in a car? Is it emotional for you as well? No, It's no secret how big of a mentor and how, how much you cared for the guy to hop in a car well, that just, looks like his. You know, it's an honor to do it. But the coolest thing I get to do is that, that uh, Wayne Lensing bought the 72, or the Mustang, from, and he won the 67 features within 72. And Keith Simmons built all of Bobby Allison's Cup Motors for all the mirrors of Sapco, and, I mean at uh, Stolas. And so after I bought the door at the deal last year, the memorial, he walked me and he goes, guys, I never thought about you so much, he said, but I knew you're, you know, guys are pretty tight. And he said, when I get the car done, he said, I want to go take a Cedar Rapids, I want you to come and drive it. So that'll be, that'll be the ultimate. That'll be, like, that's the winningest car, the winningest driver in the history of the world. I mean, it just, it don't get no better than that. Yeah. Plus, it's a Ford. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> I like that idea. Oh, yeah, the people appreciate that because him and I go back and forth like goofs on here. Well, uh, it's always great to see you. It was great to see you up front. Nothing go wrong for you. Thanks for the time. And before we go here, what's next for you? Well, like I said on the interview up there in the stands, I said, you know, it's been 34 years since I won this thing, and I don't think anybody will ever go 34 years and have top three podium finishes back, you know, that far apart. So that's kind of cool, kind of a little history thing. But, you know, it's just, I don't know, it just, just was a good day. Are you going to Yeah, you going over there? Yeah, we're going to Dells. Yeah, I'm going to Dells and going to Nashville if they have the race. Unless you keep saying they're having it, but with the COVID stuff, you know, who knows what they're going to do because they've been on, they've been off, they're on, they're off. And then, you know, we're going to go to the Derby, you know, so probably take this car, one of them, go test with it. So. Congratulations, man. Yeah, congratulations on a great run, and uh, we'll see you down the line here. Well, that's really exciting. We've had great fast cars all year. We just can't finish a race, and stupid stuff happens. And, you know, and like I said, to finish second him, he's you know, he he he's me and he's 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 the version of me in 1990. You know, he's 2020. I mean, you know, it's so funny. You look back at that. I ran 136 races in 1990, from the Cup to Bush to Arca. I mean, the, the Cup, the Arca car and the short track cars and everything else I drove, and we won 13 to 15 end of the year races, and I had the other two won. I had a flat tire in one, and the shriver broke another one, and that year I don't remember losing hardly ever so I never counted you know I, I, I said the other day I said I'll bet you we won 80 races I never never thought about counting and how do you go back and try to find and, and I'm not trying to take another way from Tom and Dick No. but that year I mean when we pulled in the pits it was over with I remember we went to Derby and on thir- I guess it was Thursday then and everybody's out there practicing wearing their shit out and button tires on and Phil goes you want to go make some laps and I go for what <laughs> I, I, I said, for what? You know? He goes, oh, okay. And then about 10 minutes later, 15, he says, come on, let's go make a couple laps. I, for what? Ah, oh, come on. All right. So I go put my stuff on. I go, and I only got like 20 lap tires on. I'm three tenths fast in the field. And probably one of the greatest compliments I ever got, Jody really walked over me and goes, isn't it time for you to go home? <laughs> and not and not in a bad way. It was like, I said, yeah, I, I'll go home Sunday, Joe, when I got the check. And 
had the old sheer cube van and down the pit road I went and I honked horn and had the check says see you next year Joe and he shook his head and what was really cool he came into my holler last year we were sitting there and we talked about lots of things and uh, that was you know that was one thing and he's just like he goes man he said there ain't nobody could even you know we were in a different time zone and it just it's hard to get that and and you know, it's been doing as long as I've been doing it. It's just kind of cool to come here today and be pretty sporty. So. Well, uh, again, thanks for the time today, and we'll we'll see you soon. All right, man. Thanks. Well, thanks to Rich for the time. You know, Mark, I could sit there and listen forever to Rich's stories, and you heard some of them there. And my gosh, I'm so excited for the offseason to do something with him going into his last year. And man, what a what a guy. Yeah, he ain't. <laughs> he sure does like to talk, you know. And, and unfortunately, we were going to go over and talk to Ty Majeski, the winner. And we got tied up with Rich and I. And I seen the the vehicle leave the racetrack. And we didn't get a chance to talk to Ty, the winner. I uh, tried to get a phone interview, but as for Rich, we could we could sit there for an hour and listen to him. He's got awesome. so much uh, memories and. And he sure has a gift to talk, and uh, yeah, he's a he's he's a living legend, man. He's a he's a warrior out there. I didn't want to end the interview. I did not want to end the interview. I wanted him to keep going and keep doing all that, but we'll save it for a later time. We'll do a full podcast with him, and he's looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. So uh, good times, as you said. Unfortunately, we did not get Ty Majeski. Um, for an interview we just ran out of time and couldn't connect with them for a phone interview either but uh we've connected with him before and you know that's a big deal he's now a three-time winner of the Oktoberfest 200 it's a big deal and one that he takes seriously i interviewed him before the race i did some video interviews so go check that out on double l sports network's page and he was he was uh you could tell he was looking forward to the race and he was determined to get it done it would have been interesting if, you know, Morrissey got ahead of him and, uh, you know, if Ty would have got around Johnny because Johnny was on old tires right there. And I just don't know if Ty would have caught uh, Morrissey on that. I just don't know. Um, we had to check it out and see how they used their tires at the end. But, uh, yeah, and Morrissey and ended up going to the back after that incident and that fell into Ty's lap and then he took off like a jackrabbit like he always does, so. But uh, it would have been an interesting race if Andrew would have stayed up front. Yeah, you know, because uh, Ty was being very, very patient with Johnny. And Andrew ended up getting by Ty. And, and then they mixed it up and had their incident, unfortunately. And it would have been interesting if Morrissey got by Johnny, if Ty could have got back on. You're exactly right. I kind of wonder that to this day. But, you know, Ty was Ty was just patient and Johnny was running a line where it was been hard to pass him, but doing just enough for his car to stay out front. And boy, it's just tough racing. It's, it's short track racing at its finest. It's such a good event. Yeah. You know, there was another, other guys that kind of surprised me how well they did there in the day. Skyler Holzhausen, he was in the mix all day. Uh, Justin Mondike, there was another one that was running um, up front. Um, you know, I know Toby helps him out a little bit here and there. Um, so that was a good run. Hey, Matt Henderson, he made the last chance race and he was up front at the end. So that was impressive by him also. So there was a lot of uh, comers and goers, but, you know, there were some surprise uh, drivers that were actually making a really super good run out of it. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes the event so fun is you never know who's going to be at the front of these things because there's so many different people that come and so many great teams and drivers 
that it's such a special event that you you never know really what to expect. You know there's some heavy hitters, but any one of those guys has the perfect day and they get it done. Yeah, like Chad Butts finished 15th, but when he ran that second race on the 99, I mean, after that race, he had a complete straightaway lead. I mean, he just was gone. It was the, the biggest uh, runaway of the whole weekend. And, um, you know, Chad Butts started up front on the front row, and I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be something good for the local kid. But uh, it didn't work out for him there at the end. But uh, I was expecting a better run out of Chad Butts. But um, good showing. Um, we'll see what happens when he goes back out there next year. Well, and I feel like the track just does something a little different on Sunday than it does the rest of the days. And it's during the day. Maybe that's why I just feel like the track is just a little bit different. And, um, you know, some other drivers come for just the 200. So it's, it's a little different. Yeah. It kind of rubbers up and, you know, and then, uh, it changes everything. And, you know, another one that would have made a good day was Paulie Schaefer. And we got the chance to talk to him just a little bit there. And, and he actually said he popped a motor and then he got jacked up. And that's why he went agricultural uh, there for a little bit. So double whammy for him. But he was just cruising. And um, he would have ended up with a, a super finish, too, if he went to blow his motor. Yep. Yep, absolutely. He was just biding his time there like a lot of other guys did, too. And uh, you just have to make it to the end. And sometimes that's that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, so that's a classic out there. I'm already having withdrawals, buddy. I'm, I need more racing on stuff like that. So yep. already looking forward to October 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th next year. It's already on the fun tour schedule, so going to make it happen again next year. Absolutely. And, and you know, let's let's hear from Casey Johnson, who is now a two-time Arkham Midwest Tour champion. He's won the Tundra uh, Championship a few times now. Now he's a two-time Arkham Midwest Tour champion, a guy we've got to know a lot when he's run Kakana the last few years and now a two-time champion. So here is Casey Johnson. Here with Casey Johnson, your back-to-back Arkham Midwest Tour champion. Not only that, but your multiple-time um, Tundra champion as well. Also won this year. I mean, what a fantastic couple years this has been. Uh, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, I've been uh, blessed to be grouped up with a lot of really good people, and uh, they gave me the equipment I need to, you know, knock these things over, and uh, it's it's unbelievable. Tell us about your day today. Well, to be honest, I mean, uh, our, our primary car, we blew it up on uh, Saturday in practice, so we went back to the one we raced Friday, which we knew was a pretty decent car, and uh, I mean, it, it did what it needed to do. I mean, early it was a little bit off, you know, the sun came out, greased up the track a little bit, so we made some adjustments there in that pit stop, and uh, we got into a, you know, top 10 spot. All the guys that were behind me in points were pretty much right with me, so we knew we really didn't need to do anything more, so we didn't push the issue. But you, you struggled all day with track position. Oh, big time. I mean, we. It, the car just wasn't right right away, so uh, we uh, we went swinging there on that stop, and uh, it, it got to be relatively decent. I think we could have pretty much got her in top five, no problem. Yeah. How challenging is it to know when to go, when not to go? How what adjustments to make? Because you got a, such a long race here, and the track changes a bunch too. Usually, I heard it didn't as much this year, but mm -hmm. usually it does. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's no right or wrong answer to that. I mean, it's just kind of a. a driver preference a lot of guys like to stay towards the front and let everybody chase them you know let them burn their stuff up to get to them i like to save my stuff for the end and burn it down so i know what i got well again another great year what's next for you 
I think uh, we just got that one race left up here for the uh, Live for Five up at the Dells. I think we're two points out of the lead there, so hopefully we can have a strong run and uh, try and seal the deal on another championship. Well, congratulations. We'll, we'll see you down there for that one. Sounds good. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks to Casey. Congratulations to Apex Motorsports, Chase Motorsports, Casey Johnson uh, Racing. I mean, Holy moly, um, it's been a good couple years for, for him and a lot of the teams he's been involved with. Yeah, we're getting pretty good at interviewing him. He kind of, he sees us coming, so he, he definitely knows why we're there. Because <laughs> we've, we've been interviewing him all summer long. And uh, Casey's the coolest, you know, he's all right. So you know, I like seeing his little girls running around, grabbing them big trophies and dragging them around and stuff like that. So, um, wow, what a super season for Casey Johnson. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's one you really enjoy seeing because you see how family-oriented it is. You walk down there, his wife, Whitney, is there, his three girls. I mean, it's so cool to see, and I feel bad about taking him away for an interview, but he's he's very nice about it, and we're, we're gracious for him doing that. But um, you really get the family aspect of racing when you walk into that pit. Yes, sir, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and Dennis, Dennis is good, too, you know, um, Dennis and Julian. They're, they like to talk to us also just a little bit here and there. So congratulations to them for another championship there. So good stuff. Yep. And, and Travis Dasso as well. Yeah. Um, Apex Motorsports. Um, incredible, incredible team. They're helping out a few people this year. And that you could see this expand and them really take off even more. Yeah. Well, they're going to travel. It sounds like they might be going to snowball. Let's uh, uh, talk about what's going on with that team, and and they're going to run the uh, the Alive for Five on the twenty fourth next week Saturday down at the Dells, and uh, there, there's another championship up for grabs down there. Yep, and we will be go I will be going as long as the weather's nice. I th I think you're going, Mark. If the weather's nice, um, should be a good time. Yeah, I might have to might play a day of hooky maybe, and I got to see what's going on at work where I'm so shorthanded at work and I don't know if I want to um, put, uh, put them in a spot. So we'll see where I'll find out more when I go back to work tonight. So um, we'll see if we'll be there. The weather's the big, the big factor. And I did the 10 day forecast and they're saying like 45 and dry right now. That's what I'm seeing, but that's a long ways out. That is perfect. <laughs> no mosquitoes. All right. Hey. <laughs> Hey, you know, if it's dry, I'm all right with it. Dry is all that matters. Yeah, you can always drink hot chocolate instead of cold beer. Well, maybe no. not, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, what a super weekend, a super event that is. You just said you're looking forward to next year. What a what a week that could be for us because we're talking about Oktoberfest, uh, 52nd annual Oktoberfest next year in 2021. And then the 50th annual Winchester 400 that you and I are going to, it's back-to-back -back weekends, buddy, and that's shaping up to be a good one. I'm actually, I saw that that's on YouTube, and I am going to reserve that just uh, in a couple of days, and I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch that race and see, uh, kind of do a little Winchester history and get a feel for that place down there. Um, you know, crazy fast place down there at Winchester. So, yeah, 50th annual uh, Maybe we should take a whole bunch of our friends with us and let's, let's do it. All right, let's do it. And, you know, um, 
speaking of Winchester, let's talk about Travis Braden a little bit because that's a guy who I interviewed after his run up here at Kakana for the Dixieland or the, excuse me, the uh, Gandrew Auto Group 250. And he's out of a ride now. He was told after Winchester that they're no longer going to, Platinum Motorsports is no longer going to continue this season. So he's looking for a ride for the All-American 400 and the Snowball Derby. He's the defending Snowball Derby champion. Hard to believe that it's uh, less than two months before and he's out of a ride. So what a great guy he is. You know, I got to interview him, get to know him a little bit. And he's great with the fans on social media. He's great with the fans in person. And you hope something uh, comes down for him. And so he can, we can watch him race, especially down at Pensacola. I mean, defending champion, you almost have to be in the race. Yeah. Also at Nashville, you know, uh, as I was helping the Majeski sell uh, merchandise, uh, the word came out Saturday that Ty is going to the, the All-American 400 at Nashville. And, uh, man, I want to go to that. I want to go to that really, really bad. And I just don't know if I can get the time off and try to figure it out. Um, that's such a, it's, it's not across the street. That's a little bit of a travel to go down to Nashville. But that place owes me a race. I got rained out down there. And... Uh, I want to see a race at Nashville at the fairgrounds. As do I. We'll have to make that happen some year. But, uh, man, so great talking racing with you. You get NASCAR, you got short track racing all in between. And, man, it's so fun to talk about some great events like the, that just happened, including Oktoberfest, talking about Winchester, Snowball Derby. Snowball Derby is less than two months away, as I just said, so that's coming up here shortly. We'll be doing something for that as well. And look for us from there again. You can follow Double L Sports Network. That is LL Sports Network on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow us there. Get some great content. Sometimes we do giveaways, other stuff. Uh, we did. I did uh, pre-race interviews before the Oktoberfest 200. That was really fun to do. Something different. I think we'll do more of that. And um, Mark, thanks again for joining me. Man, this is a lot of fun doing this with you. You know that I I can't thank you enough for saying yes when I asked you to come aboard. Hey, man, I talk racing with anybody, you know, all the time. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate doing it with you, and it's it's a lot of fun. And and uh, even in the off-season when it's coming up, you know, I can still figure out something to talk about during racing and off-season. So we'll keep it going. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Well, and I think the off-season might be our busiest season because we're going to be doing full podcasts with Rich Bickle, other people I'm sure preparing for the snowball derby. And then it's not too much longer before you get into the Daytona 500. So it's going to be a, it's a full year thing. And we're just trying to make a go of this and trying to get into different things. And it's, uh, I'm glad I started this. It's, it's been a lot of fun and thanks for joining me on the racing one. It's, I couldn't think of anyone better. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Make sure you follow us and uh, appreciate everything. Take care. See ya.